from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest-growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome into another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler with Matt Price. We're, we're without Ryan this week, Matt. What's up? You know, uh, I feel like whenever one of us is out, it's it's usually an upgrade, Dan, and you're never out. So I guess you are the, the 1.01 of this pod. You know, I try to hold things together. I try to get out of Iron your guys' way, uh, do the best I can. And once again, we're going to call in on our relief pitcher. Uh, the World Series is right around the corner. Ken Kelly, thanks for filling in for our guy, Ryan. Appreciate it. You know, we're filling in for Ryan, but we were just talking about him jumping into the agenda and checking in on it. So I have a feeling he's not far away. So yeah, I saw I was looking at the agenda and I saw a burst of a new color pop in and I looked up and oh, there's Ryan's smiling face. So he (laughs) uh, he's supposed to be like busy helping his wife with something. So, you know, he must have his phone real real close by uh, just checking in on us to make sure that we're all surviving these week seven buys, Matt, this was brutal. Like five of the six or seven best offenses were, were off this week. So we had to find somebody else in our starting lineups and it, it didn't go well for all of us. Yeah. The, 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 the leagues where we only had to start running one running back were, were real nice this week. Sure. <laughs> those, those two running back required leagues were, were, were pretty brutal in, in some cases. Uh, you know, maybe we got some help on Thursday night though, from, from one of those guys. Oh man, he that Dearness, my my buddy, saved me <laughs> in multiple places. I was lucky yep. enough to pick him up a week early, so I didn't even have to pay the fab. So happy to put him in my starting lineup, and we might as well start right there, fellas. The Browns beat the Broncos on Thursday night, seventeen to fourteen. It was brutal, especially if you started Teddy Bridgewater because he was. Hard to watch. I guess the two touchdowns at the end of the game kind of saved the day for him. The story here, though. Uh, Ken, it's all about Dearness Johnson. He looked like the real deal. 22 carries, 146 yards and a score. Also caught a couple to help us out in PPR leagues for 22 yards. What are your thoughts on Dearness? He looked real good. Well, I think it really showed us two different things. One, Dearness has ability. We saw that a little bit last year and certainly saw it on Thursday night. But the second is that offensive line of Cleveland is dominant. Hmm. And whether it's Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, whoever it might be behind that line, if there's one guy who's going to get carries in any given week, he is a he's a starter, no matter what, in your leagues that week. 
very, very clearly through this. It, and it's clearly not Demetric Felton. He was a popular pickup in a lot of dynasty leagues, especially the shallower ones where he was still on the free agent market. He's clearly more of a wide receiver to that offense. Um, John Kelly got more carries than he did. So we can we could probably bypass Demetric Felton, a nice player, probably not a great fantasy option moving forward, though. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Ken, he he was animated on the sideline. He looked like he wanted to play, but all things that we've heard coming out of Cleveland is that he's likely on the shelf for a while. Well, he is, and I actually think that those Baker Mayfield truthers out there should be pretty excited because Case Keenum played, was serviceable, but certainly wasn't dominant. Uh, we've, we've seen Case Keenum be really, really good. We saw it for that year in Minnesota, and that just didn't happen on Thursday for Cleveland. So if you have Baker Mayfield, you're probably hoping that, you know, if he does have to sit out for another couple of weeks, that Keenan doesn't come on and, and have some of these really good games. Because if he does, then have a feeling that Baker Mayfield may just have more and more rest as they string this thing out. The problem is going to be that Mayfield isn't going to get better this season. He's only going to get better if he has surgery. And that surgery is coming sooner rather than later. So the Browns have a decision to make, and I think it's going to be dependent on how they do here in the next couple of weeks. If they win a couple more games, then it's going to be tough to keep Baker out of the lineup. If they lose a couple, then we may see Baker on the shelf here for an extended period of time. I And I know that Baker's a tough kid. He really is. But this isn't something that you can really just kind of play through. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here over the span of the next couple of weeks, uh, not just with the quarterback, but also with Dearness Johnson and with the running game as well. So you figure Nick Chubb is probably going to be back next week. If he is, you figure he's going to be the bell cow. I don't think Johnson has shown enough to be kind of the number two. I think they would give Chubb, you know, the majority of his. Johnson's interesting though, because he, he should be rostered in just about every league out there. Certainly he's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Is there a team out there who's definite enough to pay him a decent amount of money? You wouldn't imagine that the Browns would match it. So it's going to be kind of fun to watch here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, he might have made a lot of money for himself. The Browns, you mentioned the next couple of weeks, they got Pittsburgh at home, then they go to Cincinnati. So a couple of tough road game or tough division games, at least. Follow that up with a trip to New England, another tough defense. So you're right. If things go haywire, if things go downhill for the Browns, um, their season outlook could change drastically, and that of uh, Mayfield could go right with it, I guess. Uh, before we move on to the Sunday games, Matt, I got to talk to you just for a second about Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. They split work once again, and there wasn't a lot of work for these guys to get. They were behind pretty much the whole game. Javante, four for 20 yards on the ground, and luckily got into the end zone. You could say the same for Gordon. He catches a short touchdown pass because Bridgewater couldn't throw it downfield. I guess if he started these guys on this bye week, you did just fine. But it's clear that Javante is the better player here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, neither of them were super impressive on the ground. But obviously, like, you know, Javante Williams, you know, basically twice as efficient as Gordon was and and, and more of a threat in the receiving game at this point in their career. And that's reflected in the target number. So, you know, I I think in weeks like this, you know, where where we have all of these teams that we've been – pulling fantasy options from on by that those are weeks where you're probably starting melvin gordon but williams is the start and, and basically every other week if if you have to have plug in that running back two option just because he's going to get all of that receiving work and you know e- even if he doesn't get 
uh, you know, all of all of the work, he's going to be more efficient on those touches than Gordon is. I have a feeling Gordon's going to sign somewhere in the offseason and just be the thorn in the side yep. of a young back for the next couple he, of years. He's the new Frank Gore, a little bit. He's younger, the new Frank but, you know, Gore, a little yep. bit more productive, a little bit younger, but, but yeah, I could Frank see Gore. that path happening. And you know, Frank Gore scored a lot of points for my fantasy teams yep. for a few years there. So until the last couple seasons, so I don't mind having Melvin Gordon and holding on to him. If I, if I'm going to need that guy to be my fourth or fifth running back on my roster in those two start two running back leagues. Let's jump to these Sunday games. And we might as well start with uh, probably the biggest shock of the day. It was the Ravens at home getting pretty pretty much handled by the Bengals, 41 to 17 guys. Most of that, you know, they didn't really pull away till the second half, but I was glued to this ball game because I didn't expect it. The Bengals have been the up and coming team, four and two coming in, but Baltimore was coming off this big win against the Chargers. They made that big statement. That's what I came on the pod last week as my main takeaway from the day. The Bengals made that statement on Sunday, and it was all about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Burrow, 416 yards, three scores. One of those goes to Jamar Chase. He goes eight for 201, and that score, Ken. So that Bengals offense looks good, and it's all about that rookie wide receiver. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you look at at Chase today, eight catches, 201 yards, and another score. So I was looking back to the greatest rookie performances of all time in terms of yardage. So number one, Justin Blackman. He is right now. Uh, you know, we we thought he was going to come back about 38 times over the last seven years, and he's obviously done. Uh, 236 yards. Anquan Bolden in his amazing debut season, he had a 217-yard game. Rod Gardner, there's a blast from the past. I remember him. 17 yards. Yeah. Mike Evans, 208, and then Chase today with 201. 754 receiving yards through seven games. That would be the most in, in NFL history, if not for somebody else who we're basically going to talk about later in the show. But I was thinking today as I watched Chase and he made that amazing move and, and busted one for about a 70-yard score, how many players would you take right now in a startup over Jamar Chase? I don't think there's in, many. The list one is very short. And in, in one quarterback, zero. You know, and, and I thought, okay, so three or four weeks ago, I thought that would be a pretty big overreaction, but I don't think it is anymore. I was looking today. I don't, I don't see another player. If I was on the board at one one I don't see another player in a one QB league who I think has a bigger upside and a, a career trajectory that matches that of Jamar Chase's. It is unbelievable right now. And it's amazing because I think we forgot so fast just how good he was at college because he was markedly better than Justin Jefferson, and we're seeing it right now every Sunday. I think there's four players in the same tier that you could you could maybe say argue for the 101. Uh, if we're not if we're not talking about super flex leagues, uh, but I think Chase is is the right pick, like like you said. Yeah, I think I would go with Chase as well. That uh, that's been kind of the arc that we've been on the last few weeks. We've been talking about it a lot, and it's clear you're, you're already getting the production. The elite, he'll be the wide receiver one on the week most likely this week uh, outside of Mike Evans, of course, because he had the huge game. Um, Other takeaways from this game, guys, we might as well stick with the Bengals. Can CJ Uzelma, um, just the three catches, but he goes for 91 and two more scores. There's so many leagues where I lost Gronk, and he was the guy that you had to pick up that week. He, He caught a few passes that week. So you add him to your roster, and hope for the best. Keep your fingers crossed. And here he 
just continues to put up wide receiver one type number or tight end one type type number. Well, you said it. I think he's a guy who you picked up this week and you thought, okay, it's by Mageddon. So let's just go ahead and use him this week. We'll see if we can get anything out of him. We may just need to drop him after this week and see what happens. You can't now because CJ Uzama is a thing officially. Okay. Three double digit games, five touchdowns on the season. He's gone from streamer to, I believe, a weekly starter at this point. That that offense is explosive. And Joe Burrow and that they they've been good enough to be able to make a tight end work. He really is. He's like the what we really wanted to have with Tyler Eifert. Uzama is giving us right now. I thought you were going to say what we really wanted out of Tyler Boyd, that inside slot guy, <laughs> to catch passes down the seam. He went four for thirty nine, and that's that's like an upside type game for Tyler Boyd at this point. Uzoma's taken away some of that. T Higgins is still getting his. He had fifteen targets, fellas. Only caught seven of them for 62, but he's a short short yardage specialist now. He's catching those bubble screens, those quick drags, and he's not turning him into the big plays that we saw that created that upside that we that we had for him throughout the offseason because of what he did last year. All those targets are going to chase now. On the other side of the ball, the downfield threat there, Matt, is Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Five catches on 14 targets. Did get the long touchdown, ends with 80 yards, um, he came through for us for sure. It looks like he's going to continue to. I love Hollywood, but 14 targets, that efficiency, man, that's in the can. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but I still think he's undervalued. And we talked about him being undervalued last week, but now we've seen, uh, you know, two games back for Bateman. And, you know, maybe Bateman is the future wide receiver one. But for right now, I think you have to really count the the, the 30 plus games he's played with Lamar Jackson right now. It's clear that these two have a rapport and Bateman's not just going to come in and take that. So like for right now, I still think he's worth adding. We talked about how cheap he was last week. He's still cheap this week, just a, a few days ago in the trade finder, a single 2022 first for Marquise Brown. That happened twice. And Debo, if you wanted to get out of Debo because of the San Francisco offense looking, you know, not so great right now, you can pick up Brown and a 2022 second. So uh, he's still at reasonable price. I, I think you're not going to get 14 targets, obviously, every week when the unless the Ravens are playing from behind like this. But uh, for a contender, I think that's a pretty attractive piece to add for the run uh, if you're still holding on to that late first. It's a weird thing, really, for me, guys. I. I regularly check weekly rankings when I'm setting my lineups. My favorites are over by our friends at 444.com. They do a nice job with their weekly rankings. And I watch, I I look for Hollywood Brown's name every single week because he's on so many of my rosters. And he's always in that range of about 18 on a week like this week when, when there's so many guys on by down to about 27, 26, 28 at the lowest. Well, he comes in at wide receiver 36 in our ADP, fellas. So Too low, he, man. It's way too low. And, and drastically, those prices that you just mentioned there, Matt, uh, he's a nice little buy. You can throw him in as your wide receiver three and feel great. You could put him in as your wide receiver two and feel like you're just fine as well. So uh, a guy that if I didn't have him all over the place, I would be trying to add for sure. Last note on this game, guys, Lamar Jackson, 257 and a score, also ran for the 88 yards. That's fine for fantasy. Didn't look locked in throughout this game, though. Had a lot of trouble hitting open targets. Not that there were that many, but uh, a QB rating of just 46.8. 
that that's not going to get it done. He was completing less than half of his passes. Hopefully that improves. A little blast from the past from early in Lamar's career. And then Rashad Bateman, another small step forward for him. Three catches for 80 yards on six targets. It's nice to see him as that number two receiver right now in Baltimore. How about the Packers and the Washington football team? Uh, the Packers win this one 24 to 10. They got plenty of breaks in this football game. It felt like, to me, Aaron Rodgers did his thing, 274 and three touchdowns. One of those to Devontae, another one to Robert Tunyon. My takeaway from this, guys, was Tunyon. There, there's a Robert Tunyon sighting. And, you know, for the first time, he was really – he was really targeted down the field, uh, that, that longer touchdown pass, a nice corner route where um, he, he extended his arm and got a little bit of space that way. Rodgers saw the mismatch, and Tunyon's faster than most linebackers. So that was a nice play. Good to see. A lot of us aren't playing Tunyon. Uh, Ken, a couple of weeks ago when you were on, you were saying, we can't start Tunyon. And then, but we knew this was possible. This was certainly coming. Just four catches for 63 yards, but a nice sign in the right direction, I guess. Aaron Jones, Matt, not the sign in the right direction we were looking for. Six carries, 19 yards, five catches for 20. I guess he didn't kill us in fantasy, but we were expecting a big day. We were against this defense that's been giving it up to to really everybody. And I think we talked about him last week too. And I think I said I really wasn't worried about him just in terms of how Dylan's going to affect his production. But I don't think Dylan was the cause of his non-production today. Uh, and so far on the season, we've seen two running back one weeks. One was running back 10. And then that big game back in week two where he was the running back two overall. Two running back two weeks towards the lower end of that. And then we have three games now on, on the books of a running back three or worse. And two of those are running back four or worse. So it's he, he just has such a volatile range of outcomes. Uh, you know, uh, I think we st- obviously still have to keep playing him based on the running back position, uh, the state of that position with all the bye weeks happening right now. Uh, but you should be prepared for uh, uh, games like this to, to hit to hit your your lineup and to maybe not help you so much in fantasy. You mentioned A.J. Dillon. I was forced to start him in one league and got negative points. Yeah, yeah, that was the play, right? Like, the, yeah. they're going to be up big, and then they're going to salt the gateway of the game with Dillon, and that's going to that's gonna work out to play him this week, and that, that absolutely didn't work. None of, nothing with the running game worked today. I, I kept waiting for it, Matt. They were just and then so all of a sudden, there was no time left. <laughs> the, the passing offense was just so efficient. They like It's almost like they didn't need to really do anything, and then combined with the fact that Washington not be able to score every time they got in the red zone, and then that key turnover at the end, they just – just didn't need to do anything, really. You're right. Uh, Alan Lazard had one big drive in this game. Five catches <laughs> yeah. for 60 yards and a score on that drive. Ken, tell me about the Washington offense. Heineke, bleh, you know, 95 rushing yards. So if you played him, it was fine. Gibson was is clearly hurt. Terry McLaurin was great. Seven Amazing. for 122 and a score. And Ricky Seals-Jones, he was pretty good, too. Six for 51 and almost scored a touchdown. So what do you think of Washington? Well, a couple of takeaways there. Uh, number one, I really do love this career choice for Chris Blewett. If you're going to be an NFL kicker with the last name of Blewett, you have to have some major guts. Okay. And he obviously did. So I think it opens up the door for guys who are out there like Chuck Wright, Joe Shank, whoever might be out there who is looking for an NFL career. Just look no further than Chris Blewett. Okay. The other part is Antonio Gibson. I think Antonio Gibson, There, there is danger here with Gibson. Okay. He has this shin injury and it's hampering him. It really is. And the further Washington starts to sink down these standings, the more risk you have with Gibson. Now, obviously I don't think he's going to be this one that we were hoping for, 
at the beginning of the season. He just hasn't taken that step partially because of this injury right now. He's kind of in that RB two range, but the longer this thing goes, and if he has another you know game or two where he's relatively ineffective, I could see them opt to just get him some surgery and just hand this thing over to some type of a committee that includes JD McKissick and Jarrett Patterson. So if I'm a Gibson owner right now and I don't have McKissick and Patterson, I'm looking to the waiver wire to go and grab one of those guys because I would be really, really surprised now if Antonio Gibson makes it all the way through the season. Yeah, he's clearly uh, affected by the shin injury. The, he didn't practice a lot, limited throughout the week. And then they said he was a go. And all of us that were set in our lineups on Sunday morning thought to ourselves, uh, can we trust this? And if you did, he came away disappointed. Gibson only 51 yards on 14 carries and just five receiving yards in the game on two catches. That was disappointing. Last note on this game, guys, that that stupid rule where the quarterback's giving themselves up when they dive into the end zone, That it happened to Josh Allen earlier in the season. It happened to Taylor Heineke in this game, and I get it. You ha- If you're going to protect quarterbacks with all these extra rules, you have to have a black and white rule. Seems like maybe there should be a difference when you're inside the five yard line and going for the goal line. That that's silly to me that that he was shut down out of the out of a touchdown because of that rule. Um, the Falcons beat the Dolphins on a last second field goal, and I'm just going to let you take it away, Matt. Uh, I mean, this is this is National Tight Ends Day. We heard if you listen to any broadcast today, you heard it like 14 times that this was National Tight End Day, right? And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll hold off on Pitts for now, but let's talk about Mike Gesicki, who I don't think we've really talked about much on this show, uh, based on what he's done over the last several weeks. He's been basically a top seven tight ends uh, in in four of the last five weeks. Uh, 21 and a half points today. Uh, he through through week six, he was the tight end four. Uh, so, you know, for, for, for a player like this on an offense who we haven't really found, found the weapons that we want to play in fantasy, I think Gusecki is one of those. It's, it, it seems to me that this offense has become Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki. And we, you know what I always say about tight ends who are the first or second option on their offense. They're going to be a top six tight end by the end of the season. So Gusecki, uh, I, I didn't actually pull up any trades for him, but I can imagine that he's probably a bit of a value, maybe not after today's game, but I bet he's one of those players that if you needed a tight end, uh, you might as well go ahead and send your first for a guy like that. Uh, it, it, he's a different difference maker this season. It's just the way it is. And then Pitts. I mean, come on, Ken. Yeah, it's time. It's time to. It's time to uh, go ahead and admit your your wrongness on this guy, because he now has the, the most receiving yards for any tight end in history as a rookie through six games. Uh, he followed up his nine for one nineteen and touchdown last week with seven for one sixty three today, uh, four hundred seventy one receiving yards on the season. He's He's on pace to break that Ditka record. I know there's an extra game this season. You can say what he's done over the last two weeks were against bad teams with Atlanta and Miami, uh, but there's no denying at this point with those one-handed grabs down the sidelines, catching them over Xavier Howard on, uh, on the sideline. This this is for real, and uh, if you paid up for him this offseason, uh, you did a good job because he's not going to get any cheaper. That was the narrative. He's going to get cheaper. He's going to struggle as a rookie. It's not going to happen. He's the tight end one. He's going to be a first-round pick in startups next year. You know, Matt, there are times when I can be a big boy and admit <laughs> that I was wrong. And, you know, it, and for the record, I've never said that Pitt is going to be a, a bad player because I never believed it at all. Did I believe that he was going to put up this kind of production here over the last couple of weeks? I didn't. I really didn't. I just didn't think that Matt Ryan was going to be able to kind of unlock his full potential. And he certainly has. And, and Pitt certainly does look like a difference maker. You know, if you had a top three pick, 
or even multiple picks in this year's rookie draft, boy, you struck gold because you're talking about Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, and Najee Harris, who obviously didn't play today. So, yeah, obviously National Tight Ends Day, uh, Pitts coming out party. Agree with you on Gasecki as well. Uh, you know, my takeaway from this game really has little to do with the game itself. I think it has everything to do with Miami and reports coming out again today about their interest in Deshaun Watson. And we can talk about how it's ethically irresponsible and this and that. And everybody's going to have their own opinion on that. I think we've probably all talked about that ad nauseum about the whole thing. I look at the Dolphins now. It's like Conclave. Okay, it really is. I was trying to think of an example. It's like Conclave. So if you were to like be outside of Stephen Ross's house, you're looking and each day there's like black smoke that comes out of his chimney. Okay. You guys know conclave when they choose the Pope and you got to wait for the white smoke to come out there, black smoke every single day. And eventually <laughs> I think there's going to be white smoke that comes out of Stephen Ross's chimney because it just seems like he is hell bent on finding a way to get Deshaun Watson. And it's unfair to do it really. I mean, two, today, so 291, unfair. yeah, 291 yards, four touchdowns through what he thought was going to be the game winner left Matt Ryan and Kyle Pitts just a little bit too much time. They end up losing the game on a last field goal. But if I'm Tua right now, I'm just constantly looking over my shoulder at a guy that isn't even there. So uh, it's a distraction, and I think that that could be a big reason why Miami is sitting there with one win. If they're looking at Tua saying, hey, you're the reason, I think they're looking in the wrong spot. And in terms of, of Kaseki and Waddle, I totally agree. Uh, Waddle has established himself as the A1 number one receiver. You know, we haven't seen that long, deep pass that I think we all know is coming at some point. But I do think that we've seen Waddle really adapt to the NFL game and show that he's not just a one-trick pony. He's going to be a guy who, hey, if you need to throw it to me 10 or 12 times and have me pick up 70 or 80 yards in a game, that's perfectly fine by me. I'll try to you know, make plays after the catch. So, um, certainly, he's turning the corner. Love what you see from him. But again, I'm just waiting to see what happens on this whole Deshaun Watson thing because <laughs> Jay Glazer's out now. You've talked about um, uh, John McClain from the, the Chronicle has has come out and said that it, there's some truth to this. I think there is some truth to this. So let's just see what happens here over the next week or so until the trading deadline, because this is getting really, really interesting. Yeah, where there's smoke, there's fire. We're, there's too much smoke at this point with all the all the news blurbs and all the writers and beat writers following and tweeting and, and talking about this. There's there's just too much of it to ignore it any anymore. And like you guys said, it's it's a shame because we should be talking about Tua's coming out party today. It really did happen. Thirty two for forty, two ninety one and four touchdowns. Made a couple mistakes with the football. One wasn't really his fault though, and I thought he looked great. So. You know, instead of instead, we're talking about a quarterback that's having trouble off the field, and you know he only wants to get traded there. And I, I think you're right that that's the only reason, or not the only reason, but certainly a reason that the Dolphins are one and six, and that this coach is going to be on us on the hot seat because of it. You yep. mentioned Waddle and the lack of the deep ball. I wish they'd unleash that. He showed that at Alabama that that's a part of his game, and I think if they did that, that would free him up to do a little even more damage around the line of scrimmage because right now these corners are starting to walk up on Jalen Waddle and expect that quick throw. He does work well at the sticks on third down, especially. Uh, I, I just love Jalen Waddle and I think he's going to be a wide receiver one sooner rather than later. We'll see what happens when Devonte Parker gets back. You did mention um, Gesicki, uh, seven catches, 85 yards and a touchdown, maybe investing in him long-term Matt, 
Um, he is a free agent after the season. So there's going to be a decision made with Miami. Does he hit the open market? And where does he sign? Because that'd be, uh, you know, we'll see where he would end up. If he ends up in the right offense, he could be a, a matchup nightmare anywhere if he's used properly. Uh, since we are, we, we went from a couple good games, I guess we, we might as well get the bad one out of the way or one of them, at least the Patriots throttled the jets 54 to 13 Mac Jones for threw for over 300 yards and two scores. Damian Harris was good on the ground. He went over a hundred and scored a touchdown. So the, I, I don't know if there's a lot of takeaways here, Matt, there's, um, there's certainly, things as a football fan or, or as a Jets or a Patriots fan that you're going to want to say. The thing for me, though, is the Patriots scored 54 points and there isn't a fantasy manager anywhere brokenhearted about benching anybody in New England. There's just not anybody that's that useful, even after their biggest game that they'll have all year. Yeah, I mean, Her- I mean, Harris, not that you'd be super sad about it. You probably, I mean, in, in this week, you're probably playing Harris no matter what. He's probably right. every single roster, but you know, you're not brokenhearted a- if you missed out. No, but he has had a touchdown in three straight weeks, you know. So I mean, it, I feel like we have to give him something. And then we're not we're not super stoked with with Matt Jones. Is it eight touchdowns, eight interceptions so far? But somehow he's the best of the rookie quarterbacks through through seven weeks. Uh, so I guess those are the only two takeaways that I really have. The tight ends are still the the, the main show, and even they're not that exciting to play. In uh, in weeks where the Patriots are clearly favorites and are gonna gonna dominate uh, the defensive line, Harris is a starter. I think those are really the only takeaways from this offense. I guess I guess if you want to throw Kendrick Bourne or, or Nelson Aguilar in there, Ugh. you might get a touchdown in a random week. But it's gonna be it's either gonna be you know sixty yards and a touchdown, or it's gonna be two catches for fifteen yards. You know those are, that's what you're gonna get out of the receivers on this. Outside of Jacoby Myers, can can we get Jacoby Myers a touchdown? Can we could we do that? That would be good. Yeah, I, I guess. It's pretty gross. I, you know, I, I threw up a little bit in my mouth when you when you said Kendrick Bourne's name and Aguilar. That's risky business trying to get those guys into your lineup. You're certainly, you know, hinging on getting that zero, getting the donut uh, with those kind of names in your lineup, not on Sunday. But uh, those J.J. Taylor touchdowns at the end of the game, they were maddening. Those were one-yard <laughs> plunges that you just put Damian Harris in yeah. so we can have a superstar for the week. Ken, did you have any takeaways from from the New England offense? Well, much the same. You know, we've we've been looking for somebody to play in the New England backfield for what seems like ever since Corey Dillon. Corey Dillon is uh, he, he's the outlier. Okay, we're looking at like fifteen years ago. Okay, uh, now is Harris serviceable at this point? Kind of seems like he is. Um, would I be a hundred percent comfortable starting him next week? I don't know. You know, it's, it's just hard to say with him. You just never know what you're going to get. But if there's one guy to start within that backfield, I mean, it looks like he's the guy. Um, I will say this, like, I, when did Bill Belichick turn into Ted Lasso? Because it seems like every time the red zone would flip over there, it was nonstop, like, trick plays. Everything. Yeah. So they are pulling out all the stops, you know, to try to get some type of a win. Um, kudos to them for doing it because it, it's just a little bit kind of outside the norm. The other takeaway here, you know, you look at Zach Wilson. I don't know how bad, you know, his knee injury is right now. He was quoted as saying it feels loose after the game. That's not good. Um, I would describe his decision-making for the season as loose as well. That's also not very good. So you look at the Jets and now, did they make the right decision on Sam Darnold? Right now, it looks like they did. However, did they make the right decision with Zach Wilson? I think the book is really out right now 
and they've kind of thrown him into this fire. And I will say this for the Jets, they know something about fires because their entire offense is a dumpster fire right now. Yeah, it's rough there. You know, it's way too early to make any kind of, you know, last lasting judgment on that, on a young quarterback and certainly one with his kind of upside. I would say that if, if Wilson struggles like this for the entire season, it wouldn't be shocking if he suddenly turned this around in year two, or even took that step in year three, he has all the skills to, to do that at some point. If anybody in dynasty drafted Wilson in the first round in a super flex thinking they were going to put him in their lineup every single week and contend, that's on them. Because, you know, this is one of the worst offenses for years. And now now they, they have a young quarterback and, and only one real offensive lineman. They don't have all their weapons in place. Although there are a couple nice pieces in New York, this is going to take some time to build this up. And I have a little bit of faith that the Jets will do it with Wilson. It's just going to take a while. I got I got two more notes. Number one, we got a touchdown from Elijah Moore today on on the ground, of course, a 19 yard rush for a touchdown, uh, one catch as well. And then the big one for me was Ramon J. Stevenson, just healthy scratch today, like just decided not to play him after he played pretty well last week. So uh, our our dreams of him becoming maybe taking on more of that James White role, catching a few passes uh, seems to be taken by J.J. Taylor today. Yeah, Bill being Bill once again. Uh, the Giants, they beat the Panthers in a really ugly game, 25-3. to Speaking of not being able to get much out of anything or anybody, this was it. Like, I, I tried to find the stat that would be like, hey, this is what Dynasty managers can look towards. And I think it's DJ Moore caught six passes for 73 yards. That's about as good as it gets in this one. Uh, Daniel Jones threw a touchdown. I guess he ran for 28 yards, so... He didn't kill you in a super flex. Evan Ingram caught six balls, with which feels like a career high. But again, the Giants score 25. Carolina looks broken. Is there anything that we can take away from any of this, Ken? Not a lot, <laughs> really. And that's that's my expert analysis after doing this for, I don't know, how many years? 16 years? Mm. Uh, look, Darnold got a vote of confidence at the end of the game. You know, every, anybody who watched saw that, that P.J. Walker was put in. Uh, is PJ three Walker out of fourteen? An, three for fourteen, right? Uh, is PJ Walker an ad in a an ad in a superflex league? I I don't know. It's it's he's going to get added in leagues. Yeah, he probably league. will. Um, Dynasty owners just shouldn't really be confident in Darnold right now. He started out hot, looked like a really good deal for the Panthers. You know, they obviously passed up on a lot of quarterbacks in the draft, but the last few weeks have looked really jet like in terms of his production. A lot of inconsistencies, a lot of turnovers, lots of really poor throws. Um, it's not looking good. And then all of a sudden, you know, about, you know, one o'clock Pacific out here, rumors start swirling that perhaps they're even interested in Deshaun Watson. So mm-hmm. it's crazy. I mean, and again, I mean, somebody who has 22 different sexual assault allegations lobbied against him. If I had 22 sexual assault allegations lobbied against me, I don't think there'd be many people lining up to hire me. But that's the difference of being a mid-level credit union manager and an NFL quarterback. So I don't there's know a difference, Kim? There is a small difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we certainly get paid the same, but there's a, there is a slight difference in that. And I've never had like mid-level credit union manager day, like we had tight end day today. But whatever, <laughs> I digress. Oh, that's um, why Evan Ingram caught six passes. Maybe so. It might be. It really might be. But uh, until CMC comes back, uh, there's DJ Moore to start, and really nothing else within within that team. Yeah, it's it's ugly. Uh, Chuba Hubbard was 
awful. Robbie Anderson has been all year long. And you guys mentioned the three for 14. That's PJ Walker come in and get to sling it around against like an umbrella defense and completes like under 20% of his passes. That's, that's brutal. So like you, not a lot of uh, takeaways. Evan Ingram catching the six balls. He is not used properly, guys. He, he's no. running five yard Never has. yards, turning around. And I know he drops passes, and I know he looks frustrated at times. But holy cow, he out of all the players, fellas, in the league that you, you hear about rumblings, about maybe they get traded, I think Evan Ingram's the one I want to get traded to an offense that's going to give him a chance more than any other. I so badly wanted him to end up in Arizona. There were rumors of that. Of course, they got Ertz, so that's out now. The uh, Speaking of butt kickings, <laughs> the Titans just took the Chiefs behind the, the old woodshed. It was 27-3. to This thing was over in the first half. Derrick Henry didn't score a rushing touchdown, but he threw one, so that's good. Also added 100 yards uh, from scrimmage in the game. A.J. Brown looks like he's inching back to his normal self, eight for 133 and a score. Tannehill was good as well. Rushing touchdown, 270 through the air and two scores. You know, we got what we wanted pretty much out of the Tennessee guys, maybe outside of Julio Jones. All dynasty managers right now, Matt, are going to talk about Patrick Mahomes and this offense. Mahomes, 206, didn't throw a touchdown, threw the pick, 36 rushing yards and left with an injury. I guess that he looks fine. He got the vote of confidence, coaching staff saying, yeah, they they let him out of the tent and all that stuff. But there are big problems in Kansas City with this offense when a Titans defense that was so-so at best until the last couple of weeks really shut them down. Yeah, it's just I don't really get it to me on the field. You know, this is obviously anecdotal analysis here, but it just seems like Mahomes trying to do everything himself. And like when, when the defense – has figured out a way to cover both Kelsey and Tyree Kill, who have both you know struggled with nagging injuries on and off this entire season. When those two two are are are, are covered well, like he just doesn't know what to do, and he's going to throw it up. We, we've seen again today, two weeks in a row, where uh, he's 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 rolled out and then just kind of chucked it up there, and it it hasn't really worked out for him. So uh, I I don't know if we should necessarily move him around in our dynasty rankings based on on this season so far. We know what he's capable of. He's had a five touchdown game this season but i'm not sure he's in a tier by himself anymore uh i think i think it's really difficult to argue that he's not in the same tier as at least kyler murray and lamar jackson and at this point you know those top six i feel like there's all all of them there's an argument for if you want to throw josh allen and justin herbert and dak prescott in there as well like there's an argument for starting all of these guys over uh mahomes at the moment so uh you know i I, i'm not necessarily moving him from the quarterback one spot. I mean, I guess, I guess personally I am, I have, I do have Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray of him as, as over him as of today, mostly because of that rushing upside you're going to get with him. Uh, those two quarterbacks in the, in the current play of Mahomes. Uh, but I think he has at least fallen back to that top pack a little bit and maybe it's not in the tier by himself. Yeah. It's irresponsible to put him in a tier by himself. I can see why dynasty rankers would have Mahomes at number one. I can certainly see why they would take him number one in a super flex still considering the youth and the offense and all the things. Ken, you were, you were uh, jotting down some notes and, and called it the Super Bowl hangover. The loser of the Super Bowl regularly has these kind of issues and it, it stems all the way through the route. That defense is awful. 
that offensive line was supposed to be fixed, but Mahomes is is running around like crazy back there because he's constantly taking on pressure. There is yep. more than one little problem to fix before the Chiefs get back to what we all want them to be as fantasy managers. There are there are a myriad of problems, and we're looking at week seven here. You know, they're three and four. This isn't a one week blip in terms of the Kansas city offense or the Kansas city defense. And I do believe the Super Bowl hangover is real. You think about last year, they had 16 weeks of really dominant football where they did whatever they really wanted to, to just about any defense who played them. They went through the playoffs, made it to the Super Bowl, were a prohibitive favorite against a Tampa Bay team that most people thought they were just going to roll. Instead, Tampa Bay comes up with a, a really incredible defensive game plan. They shut them down. They blow them out. And all of a sudden, there is a hangover with them. They played an entire season, an entire postseason, got blown out, and now you go into the offseason thinking, oh, I've got to go through training camp. I've got to go through the preseason. we got to go all the way through 17 games now and then into the playoffs just to get back to have a shot of what we had last year. And I, I think that there is some – There's I don't know if it's a level of apathy, if there's a level of overconfidence. I don't know what it is with them. But there's a problem, and this problem is not going to be solved in one week. So I think it's DEFCON 1. It is DEFCON 1 in KC right now. And I, do, I don't think – I do think it's an, it's an overreaction to move Mahomes out of, you know, certainly that top tier of, of two or three quarterbacks in dynasty rankings. However, I don't think it's an overreaction to really start looking at your lineup and saying, okay, if I have another top 10 option, I might actually be looking at matchups a little bit more and I'm not just putting Mahomes in as a set it and forget it player each and every week. And I never thought I would say that this season. Yeah, depending on your scoring system, he scored somewhere between about six and 10 or 11 points where, you know, he's going to come in in the 20s and, and maybe the late 20s in in uh, in performance at the quarterback position this week. And that just shouldn't happen. They have New York, the giants next week on Sunday night football, or excuse me, on Monday night football. Maybe that'll be the, the salve that they need to, to cure their ails. But a lot of us thought maybe Tennessee would, I tell you what, I, I'm happy for, t- for Titans fans. That defense has come together. They're running the ball. Like they always have Tannehill seems to be figuring it out beating the Bills and then beating the Chiefs, a lot of us yeah. said, wow, that's brutal. The schedule makers really put it to, t- to the Titans, and the Titans said, hey, we don't care. We're going we're gonna to take care of our business no matter what you do with the schedule. It was impressive, to say the least. Guys, the, this, uh, this podcast is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest-growing daily fantasy site in the world. Instead of spending your time building elaborate salary cap rosters or competing against those professional players – You can explore unique, fun, easy-to-play games like More or Less, Knockout Kings, Eagle Eye, Goal Rush, or Touchdown Dance. Play any of the major sports such as the NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB, as well as UFC, NASCAR, golf, soccer, and various college sports without competing against all those sharks. Right now, you can open a new Monkey Knife Fight account, make an initial deposit, and get a free year of DLF Premium. Uh, that's a full year for free. On top of that, if you use the promo code DLF, Monkey Knife Fight will match the deposit 100%, doubling your initial funds. Simply log on to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image for Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. 
The Lions tried to pull out all the stops in Los Angeles on Sunday. They uh, they went in 0-6, though, and they came out 0-7. Had a lead, uh, lots of trick plays, but it wasn't enough. The Rams win this one 28-19 behind Matthew Stafford, 334-3. and Two of those touchdowns, once again, Ken, go to Cooper Cup. He has been exquisite, 10 catches, 156 yards in the two scores on 13 targets against the Lions on Sunday. Yeah, at this point, it's not it's not becoming anything other than historic, what he's mm-hmm. doing right now, because I think he's gone from a wide receiver who could be the overall wide receiver one to wide receiver who should be the overall wide receiver one to the wide receiver who will end up being the wide receiver one at the end of the season. He's on pace. He has 56 catches for 809 yards and nine touchdowns in seven games. He's on pace for 136 catches, 1,963 receiving yards, and 21 touchdowns. Now, you could say, oh, he's going to go off. There's no way. He might. But I also don't look at this offense and look at what he's doing and say he's going to for sure. This is going to be one of those Jerry Rice-like statistical seasons. And Cooper Cup may be the greatest value in startup drafts. Uh, this past offseason. This is unbelievable. And it's it's crazy because, you know, in the offseason, everybody was talking about this Robert Woods connection. I think you guys talked about it even last week on the show with Stafford and Robert Woods. Stafford and Cooper Cup, I don't know what they have for breakfast in the morning, but I know that they have it together. Uh, whatever it is, it is working. Yeah, they are bros for sure. They they like each other a lot. They're conc- creating all these plays. There was, a, there was an instance. As a Robert Woods guy, I'm sitting at the – they're at the goal line late in the – third quarter, maybe early in the fourth quarter, going to take the lead. And I'm thinking, geez, there's just no way that Robert Woods gets this touchdown. It's a two-yard throw to Cup. He falls into the end zone. They go for two. That's when Cup, or, or excuse me, Woods gets the tap pass and scores the two-point conversion. Uh, it, you know, they're, they're using all their weapons with maybe the exception of Henderson uh, this week because they were playing from behind for much of the game, surprisingly. Uh, but Man, it cups at a different level. He he is the top option in that offense. Everybody knows it, and they couldn't stop it. So it's uh it's certainly something that Matt Price likes to see every single week is as you just <laughs> rack up the fantasy points on all your teams. Oh, I lo- I'm I'm loving having him on on our vampire team. Uh, yeah, I bet. Three, that's that's <laughs> really really fun. A base of thirty points every week. Uh, but I did I was just looking at trades. We did this last week with Cup, and so we saw how he's undervalued. But I did find one trade that that kind of breaks my heart because I want both sides. Cooper Cup for Kyle Pitts and a 2022 first. I don't know what to do there, Dan. Oh my goodness! I'm surprised that trade went through. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised he took it on. I you know. It's hard to get Kyle Pitts, no matter what. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. That that, I'm, I'm really surprised the draft pick was on that side of it. Yeah, that, I mean, that just shows you. That just shows you how valuable Cup is. Is right he now. really somebody's is. actually willing to pay for that production? Thirteen <laughs> targets, and he was exquisite, as I said. Daryl Henderson, I thought he was going to have this monster Me blow too. up week. In fact, he and uh, and. And Jones from Aaron Jones from the Packers were two of my highest rated running backs of the week. They both just fell on their face. Henderson had a couple of nice runs, 10 yarders, but 15 carries for 45 yards. Didn't really get uh, involved in the passing game as much as you'd like either. So a disappointment, but they got Houston next week. So everything will get better next week. 
this this Lions team is is kind of heartbreaking. Like they seem to be in it at, at the end versus all of these top teams in the league, and they just can't can't get that win. And they can't figure it out, and I think they will. I, they all play hard for their coach. They and do. I love do. how he coaches hard. Like the the team plays hard as well. All the fakes, the onside kick early in the game, and you could just feel it slipping away the whole game. Though that when they didn't score the touchdown after the onside kick, I thought to myself, that was it. You, you, yeah. I think you had to score there to win this game, which is but isn't sad. there isn't there kind of this in a in a COVID environment that just is not going away? Isn't there a sense of comfort knowing that there's a possibility that you could wake up on Thanksgiving morning and watch a winless Lions team? It just seems like <laughs> tradition, like a holiday tradition, to wake up and watch the Lions be putrid on Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's certainly destined to happen, or at least destined probably for them to lose that game oh. in, in epic fashion sure. as they have throughout the entire year. I, you know, the one thing I will say for them is that they, they play hard. They simply don't have the talent, and that's that's just poor drafting for tens of years now. But, but Dan point. Campbell like just clearly cares. Like he, he was in tears oh, yeah. at one press conference. It's like it's nice to see a coach that cares about the team and the players and the players that are playing so hard. It is it really is you mentioned Ted Lasso earlier. This is like season one Ted Lasso for the Lions. They're like they play real hard, uh, but uh just just not happening in the way just not happening. It's it's coming Lions fans. They're they're gonna turn a corner at some point. They'll at least win I think they're they're not gonna go oh in 17 at least i don't think so uh the raiders they won against philly 33 to 22 Derek carr threw a tough couple of touchdowns guys i think it was this past off season matt maybe you remember this we were talking about deep sleepers and stuff and i mentioned foster moreau's name i've done it about every six months we talk about it well Moreau gets his chance on national tight ends day with darren waller on the bench and Really has a nice game. Six catches, 60 yards and a score. Almost had another big play as well. Um, man, he, he he's athletic. He's a seam stretcher. He's in the mold of, of Waller. So when Waller's not on the field, I think he's clearly an option because he just fits right in. When Waller is on the field, though, he's, he's not going to be that move guy that gets down the seam. We need these two guys to split up so we can have another tight end that are is worthy of putting in our starting lineup. I, I really like Moreau and his skill set. It showed on Sunday. Ken, you watched this game as well. We commented a lot on Jalen Hurts. I was pretty outgoing last week on, on what I am doing with Jalen Hurts. 236 yards, two touchdowns. That sounds fine. 13 carries for 61 yards is all right as well, Ken. But... It's just, it doesn't work from an NFL standpoint. He doesn't seem like a top 20 quarterback uh, in the NFL. No, and it's unfortunate because you look at, at Hertz and he really is a rookie. And I know he played some last year, obviously towards the end of the season when they had given up on Carson Wentz, but they have put so much on his shoulders and they've just completely abandoned the run game. And now with Miles Sanders out, it's probably even worse. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, but the hard thing is with this, they have three first-round draft picks, and those could be three really desirable first-round draft picks. So if they decide that they want to go in another direction, it would be really easy for them to put together a trade package for Russell Wilson or move up in the draft, maneuver however they want to to try to find a long-term replacement. Um, I think Jalen Hurts in the right system could be good. You know, I think I think he's shown enough to – to merit 
a look, an extended look, not just from the Eagles, but possibly from another team. I just don't know where they're going to go. They're certainly not going to turn this thing to Joe Flacco. So who knows where they're going to go, but um, it's, it's certainly not working right now for the Eagles. Uh, with Sanders out now, I think that there are a lot of dynasty owners too, who are going to be looking at things and thinking, well, you know, let's just jump on the, uh, let's jump on the Kenneth Gainwell bandwagon, but you really can't. Um, you saw today, Boston Scott, seven carries, Gainwell five. Um, they're just not going to a give it to any one runner consistently or B just run the football at all. So especially with them falling behind and forcing Hertz to just throw, 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 I would love to see a game plan where they came out and just tried to at least establish the run or some short passes, but they just haven't done it so far. Yeah. And that's coaching. It, it's crazy. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Miles Sanders got hurt in the first quarter of the game, right? He, he nearly read, led that backfield in carries. He had six carries in that first quarter. Boston Scott ended with seven for 24 yards and did score that touchdown. So maybe he's a guy that, uh, that'll that end up on teams after after more news surfaces about Sanders' injury. Uh, Dallas Goddard uh, can three catches for 70 yards on five targets. Looked pretty good. But again, that this offense, it, I don't know if anybody can look great in the side of this offense. No, I don't either. And... You know, Goddard, I think that once Ertz was traded last week, everybody looked at Goddard like, oh, yes, this is it. We have a top 10 option now moving forward in Dynasty Leagues. We can set it and forget it. And I've got my guy for the next four or five years. I would not say that's a sure thing at all. You know, you look at Goddard and he's been somewhat underwhelming throughout his career. And he's in a contract year, too. So he's going to probably command a decent amount of money. So if they don't get things working with him here over the span of the next 10 games, I don't know where he plays next year. So could it be in Philadelphia? Yeah. Is it likely? Probably. Is it a sure thing? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Another guy that's going to hit free agency and most likely, at least according to over the cap, he's he's playing at a higher level than what his contract dictates and he's going to get paid by somebody. So, you know, I guess it depends on how these next 10 games or so go, but I, I don't think there's any guarantee that Dallas Goddard is back in Philadelphia next season. Um, the Cardinals trounced the Texans 31 to five Kyler Murray, 261 and three Deandre Hopkins caught one of those. Zach Ertz caught another AJ green was fine. Three for 66. It was, it, it was a regular day at the office for the Cardinals. Kyler Murray, once again, wasn't great on the ground. Wasn't that dynamic. Didn't, didn't get loose all that often. Um, the running game though, in Arizona caught your eye, Ken. Well, it did. And I think going into the season, Chase Edmonds was one of those guys who was really under the dynasty microscope because here he is sitting in a contract year. We're thinking, okay, this is it for him. If he's going to be a future, you know, low end RB one, high end RB two, it's going to need to be this season. We're just going to have to see it. And we really have it. And James Conner is, is really the back to play. And even with that, I mean, if you're sitting there with James Conner in your lineup, are you really scaring the team that's playing you? Probably not. You know, but Connor's been serviceable and Connor is getting the goal line carries. Edmonds isn't scoring. So Edmonds might get you five catches and 50 yards, but he's not scoring touchdowns. So Edmonds is one of those players who you look at and you think, wow, we may have missed a pretty good sell window. And that sell window was right before the beginning of the season, because right now I don't think you could move him for anything close to what you could have two, three, four weeks ago. 
Yeah, box score junkies that just look at the box score will say, wait a minute, Ken, Chase Edmonds had 15 carries to 10 for Connor. But that game was in the bag when yep. when Edmonds was getting those carries. You look at those two tailbacks and you think Connor's going to be the guy at the end of the game that puts the game away. It was already put away. Chase Edmonds was clearly playing a backup role at that point. Got a bunch of carries late and busted a couple of them inexplicitly against the Houston defense when it was clear they were going to run the football and they just kept spreading them out. And Houston just kept kept creating space in the middle of the field for Chase to run for 81 yards. He also caught a handful of passes or, or excuse me, he, he caught just the one pass for nine yards. Um, Zach Ertz was pretty good in this one, three catches for 66 and a score. Let's cover the last game here, fellas. It's the Buccaneers and the bears. Another bloodbath. Uh, the Bucks went 38 to three. Tom Brady threw, throws four touchdowns, three of them to Mike Evans, who was great. Six for 76 in those three scores. Godwin also was great. Eight catches, 111 yards on 11 targets and a touchdown. Could have had like three touchdowns. He got stopped at the one a couple times, got a target in the end zone a couple times. It, that was brutal. So um, I got to ask you, Matt, Mike Evans. He catches the three touchdowns. He's your wide receiver one for the week, most likely. Uh, what do we think about Evans moving forward? I, I think he's just a cheap access way to access multi-touchdown games. And we know when it comes down to it, when we're in this point scoring season, even in Dynasty, that this is a weekly game. And and Evans is somebody that can can win you the week by himself. Obviously, he has these down games, two for 27, I think, in week one and another another bad game. Uh, and then you have the, the weeks where he's not getting a touchdown at all. Uh, but, you know, this is a player that if he's in your lineup in a title or in a playoff game, like – you're, you're, you have a good chance of moving forward. So he's somebody I'm I'm absolutely looking to get just for these spike weeks. Uh, and he's still being disrespected by the dynasty community at large. Like he's, he's very cheap. We talked about uh, spending a first round pick uh, for some other players this episode, but I mean, a single first will get you Mike Evans at this point. Evans for Ty Johnson in a first Sony Michelle in a first for Mike Evans, Michael Pittman and Rashad Penny for Mike Evans. Just like, Oh my goodness. Like this is just <laughs> stop, stop doing this guys. If you, and let me know if, if you're like, Oh, and six, I guess I kind of get it, but we're not, we're not talking about somebody who's already 30, 31 years old. We're talking about a guy who's 28 and still has, you know, with, with the, with the way his game is being a contested catch receiver, being a, 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 a constant touchdown threat in the red zone. Uh, you know, he's going to have value for for a couple more years and for a contender like that's looking for that player that can spike and, and win the week for him. I think Evans is a great target right now. Yeah, and we all want pieces of this Buccaneers offense. We want to slide one of those guys in our lineup every single week. Evans is is just as good as anybody else to to get in there. He showed it on Sunday against a Paris defense that just didn't have answers for him. Six for 76 and three scores. Ken, we've been talking on the podcast a lot about these rookie contract or rookie quarterbacks and Justin Fields. We the three of us have all kind of stuck up for him. We, we think it's going to come along. He's got the athleticism. He seems to have the arm strength and, and all the intangibles. But that Buccaneers defense on Sunday afternoon in Tampa Bay made him look awful. And not just because of the, the 184 yards and the three interceptions. He didn't see where the blitz was coming from. He got blown up on multiple plays uh, where where he sent he even moved a tailback to the to the wrong side. The blitz came from that side, and he got he got blown up. So there there's more than meets the eye when it comes to Justin Fields. Certainly very talented. But what's your take? Are we, are we holding out hope, or are we are we real concerned about his long term upside? 
I think there's a dual responsibility factor here. Um, it's clear he wasn't ready for primetime. He just, he just isn't. But it's also really clear that the Bears did very little to get him ready. And it, it, look, I, I coach a high school you know, C-team basketball <laughs> group, okay? I don't know what it's like to coach an NFL franchise, but I can tell you, does anybody believe Matt Nagy's going to be there next year? I don't think so. You know, their offense is really, really bad. And for a coach who has seemingly he prides himself as, as being an offensive head coach, they have just made very little progress. Uh, they don't put him in positions to use his skill sets. And even when uh, even when he, he is in a, in a good spot to make a play, he's just making so many mistakes. So even at three and four, it looks like a bit of a lost season for the Bears. Um, they certainly can't bench him at this point. You know, they, they don't have a better option. I think they need to protect him better, keep running the football. Herbert looked really good again. Mm -hmm. So they need to run the football and come up with a game plan with some short passes, some things that will build some confidence. Um, it's a mess, you know, and that defense today was shredded. Now, granted, it's Tom Brady, and he's done that to basically every franchise multiple times. But uh, this team is very far away. Justin Fields is very far away. And I would say my level of concern with him is about a 6.85. I expected him to have a good game this week. Tampa Bay has been giving it up to quarterbacks all season, quarterbacks and wide receivers all season long. And I expected Khalil, Khalil Herbert to struggle and the, the opposite happened. So I think that 6.8759 is, is a little bit low. I'm going to go ahead and put it like an eight, yeah. eight, eight and a half for fields at this point. If I can still get the price I paid for him in rookie drafts, uh, I might be interested in getting out on that. Well, and look at Allen Robinson. Like oh, they're yeah. they're not finding where, ways. Where is he? Even, I know I they're not, so they're not finding ways to to get their best players to football. Yeah, we, we were so excited to have right. We're so excited to have Allen Robinson with a real quarterback, and it's right. again the same same story. <laughs> and they're they're paying him franchise money. Yeah, they're yeah. paying him franchise money to be a decoy on three quarters of the plays that he's in. So it, it's mind-boggling to me. There are real problems in Chicago on both sides of the both sides of the ball right now. Um, this is an offense you just want no part of. I mean, certainly Herbert is a is a stash player. I, I think that he's probably going to even eat into David Montgomery's carries when he comes he's back. Better. It's yeah, I think so too. You know, so there's there there are some real problems there, and I don't think there's a, a Chicago Bear player who is is playable right now. And it it just kind of goes back like there are constants in fantasy football. And one of those constants over the last two decades is Chicago is where quarterbacks go to die. And there has yet to be a quarterback who has been able to break through that. And I really thought it could be fields right now. Not so sure. In fact, I'm at 7.186. <laughs> Things <laughs> change rapidly I've, here. I've, I've talked myself up. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I thought Herbert wasn't playable this week against that Tampa Bay front seven that hasn't given up anything to running backs. He goes over three digits uh, and and looked really good doing it. Had a nice 30-yard run in the game. They have San Francisco and at Pittsburgh in the next couple of weeks. I think before the bye, it feels to me like uh, he's got this backfield to himself until then, until the bye at least. it's It certainly seems that way. I guess we can play him against a decent San Francisco front seven, a pretty good Pittsburgh front seven. <laughs> That's the closest thing we have to something being useful in Chicago with this, which is just gross. Uh, any final takeaways for you this week, Matt? 
Uh, I guess, I guess just preach patience with these quarterbacks. I know I just said I would move Justin Fields if I could get the, 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 the rookie draft value for him. I don't think you can do that. So, I mean, I'm not going to sell for, for less than a first. So I think you're, you're just holding at these, this point. And, uh, I don't think when all things are, are said and done that, uh, Mac Jones will be the best rookie quarterback. Ken, last time you, uh, were on the show, I think I interested, uh, introduced you, as the czar of DynastyLeagueFootball.com. I'm sure you've taken that to the next level. I don't know how to promote you from that. Can we, can we do that? You got any ideas? Um, I don't think so. And I, I'm far from a czar for sure. Trust me, I'm, I'm one of, I guess, I think one of 60 that we have now, which is pretty wow. crazy. I remember I, I remember doing this on my own for a long time. So to, to be to that point is pretty exciting. Well, uh, last I think up, I can last speak up. for Matt and Ryan and everybody else when we say thank you for letting us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, and, and you know, it's I, sometimes I, I think back and like today, you guys have had a ton of technical difficulties on this podcast. So, you know, I look at things and I think, man, I just had to carry you guys again. People, people, people listening won't get it, but I have been off and on this entire time. Um, thoughts from me this week? Uh, if I'm in a dynasty league right now, I'm I'm looking at some of those potential uh, trade targets for other teams out there. You know, we mentioned Evan Ingram. Another one is Marlon Mack. Some of those guys out there who are rumored to be on the move. Take a look at some of those really bad teams. I can't imagine the Texans move Brandon Cooks again. If he gets traded again, it would be a bit of a surprise. But there are going to be some players who are on the move this year. Um, really kind of be in tune with what's going on and, and keep close to the rumor mill because you might be able to grab a couple of these guys off waivers or as throw-ins for trades, and they might find themselves in a pretty advantageous situation here in the back half of the season. Yeah, good advice for sure. So with that advice, we're going to call it a day for Matt and Ryan, or excuse me, for Matt and Ken. I'm Dan. You were, uh, now you've really promoted me. Now I'm Ryan. <laughs> wow. Take that, McDowell. <laughs> Let's get out of here on that note. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>